0: The following program is a production of Beach Booster Radio. Beach Corner with Diana Chicky is sponsored by Exchanging Vows Bridal Boutique in Collingwood, Ontario. Visit exchangingvowsbridalboutique.com for all your wedding and formal wear needs. Hi, I'm Sean Sullivan. And I'm Lynn Griffin. From A Christmas Carol Comedy, and you're listening to Beach Booster Radio.
1: I'm Dinah Chickie with Beach Corner on BeachBoosterRadio.com, your backstage pass for all your entertainment. Kickstart your Christmas with a Christmas Carol comedy written by Katie Lehman and directed by Lynn Griffin. Presented by No Purpose Productions and Simcoe Street Theatre on November 25th at 7.30pm and November 26th with a matinee at 2 and 7.30pm at Simcoe Stage Theatre located at 65 Simcoe Street. Who can remember Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol with its ghost story resurrecting the ghosts of Christmas' past? The No Purpose Productions version is mixing shades of Monty Python with shades of past Present and future for Christmas Carol comedy. Joining me via Skype are Sean Sullivan, the former of all characters except Scrooge. Sean is best known for his multi award winning solo play, Baby Red Boots Revenge. Phil in Wayne's World, Back to the Future Part 3, and Saw 3, and director and renowned actress Lynn Griffin, who starred as Mrs. Claus in Santa Baby 1 and 2, The Glass Menagerie, and the television movie I'll Take Manhattan. She also directed Baby Red Boots Revenge for the North American and Central Europe tour. You're listening to Beach Corner, brought to you by Exchanging Val's Bridal Boutique in Collingwood on Beach Booster Radio, with Saga Beach's only truly local radio. Hello, I'm Margaret Atwood, and you're listening to BeachBoosterRadio.com. Welcome back to Beach Corner on Radio.com. No Porpoise Productions and Simcoe Street Theatre are proud to present a Christmas Carol comedy written by Katie Lehman and directed by Lynn Griffin. Scheduled November the 25th and the 26th at 7 30 p.m. at Simcoe Stage Theatre located 65 Simcoe Street. Joining me via Skype are Sean Sullivan, performer of all characters except Scrooge, Sean is best known for his multi-award winning solo play Baby Red Boots Revenge for the American and Central Europe Tour, Phil and Wayne's World, Back to the Future Part 3, and Saw 3, and director and renowned actress Lynn Griffin, who starred as Mrs. Claus in Santa Baby 1 and 2, in the Glass Menagerie by Island Productions in BC, and also starred in a television movie I'll Take Manhattan. She also directed Baby Red Boots Revenge for the North American and Central Europe Tour. Welcome to Beach Corner, you guys. Thank
2: you. Thank you, Diana.
1: (laughs) It is such an honor to have you on the show. You both have had long and successful careers on stage, film, and television. How do you enjoy working together as husband and wife?
0: Shall I
2: take it? Yes, he's going to go first. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, we met doing a play together, uh, many years ago, uh, at the end of 1987 and we've just always found that our, our lives and our careers were always sort of meshed together and we just, we find we, uh, we bring something to each other's work that, uh, happens when we work together not necessarily when we work apart and so it's always enriching it's always fun and we can always work on it together when we're at rehearsal or when we're not when we're driving home from rehearsal we can run lines or do notes or uh whenever so it's 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 been great. What about you?
2: Well, I was going to say, we live in a semi-detached house, so when we rehearse in the living room, our poor neighbors wonder if they're living next door to the Mad Hatter's Tea Party. (laughs) But yes, we we met on a play called The Voice of the Prairie by John Olive. I fell in love with Sean at first sight, and at the very first read-through, the directions in the play said that we were supposed to kiss because we were playing young children well, 14 years old, and I kissed him at the first read-through so that he knew how I felt.
1: (laughs) And how was the kiss? It was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And you guys look so in love together. It's so nice to see. That was 28 years ago. Oh, congratulations. How wonderful. At what age did you decide to become an artist?
2: Uh, I have... uh... The legacy that my mother was an actress, my dad was a high-fashion photographer, Uh, so I was sort of a baby. I was put in front of the camera as a baby. My dad photographed me for a lot of uh, print work. And then my mom and I did a play together, and then my mom became an agent. She actually became my agent. And now my sister is my agent, who's taken over the agency. So I have been doing it really since diapers. (laughs) I mean diapers. Diapers. Um, I, I actually, my picture was on the cover of our grade four speller, which was actually very embarrassing for me. When I was in grade four and everyone was drawing Mustaches on me um, So I've been doing it all my life um, I sort of Then once I'd kind of done with modeling I turned to television Did commercials And then I started on a TV series That I did for four years Called Drop-In Which was a children's uh, magazine show And
1: I grew up on that <laughs> Wow And how about you Sean?
0: Well it's it's similar um, My mom uh, was an actress and, um, I sort of followed in her footsteps. She had five other kids, all of whom tried it. Uh, everybody sort of took a, a dive into the acting pool and I just sort of stuck with it. Um, so I think I started acting. My first professional play was when I was 12 and I kind of grew up at the same theater my mom worked at cause I had just sort of been hanging around there as a kid and, uh, That was it. Uh, Just sort of continued from there and really hasn't ever stopped.
2: And that was the same theater that we met at. Yes. And I actually knew his mom before I met Sean. And his mom said to me, you know what? I think you might like my son. You should meet him. So then we were (laughs) cast in a play together and the rest is history.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's amazing.
0: And my mom said to me. Uh, unbeknownst to Linny, there's this actress, Lynn Griffin. You really should keep an eye on her. So she was quietly matchmaking from the beginning.
1: <laughs> How nice. So who had the most inspiration in your career?
2: I would probably say it was my mom. Um You know, because we started out working together in plays in amateur theater, and then when she became an agent and she really guided my career and created so many wonderful opportunities for me, you know, she actually got me the first series that I did. She got me into Stratford. The Stratford Festival and the Shaw Festival so she really guided it and she continued even when she was an agent to keep working sporadically and um, now that I look at myself on screen I think um, (laughs) the apple didn't fall too far from the tree I I say to Sean, do I really seem like my mother now? Am I acting like my mom? (laughs) But yes, definitely my mom and my sister too who is now my agent so it's all in the family
1: so, Sean, you were Phil in Wayne's Whirl and took part in the car scene of the Bohemian Rhapsody song. How was that experience working with Mike Myers? Mike, uh,
0: Mike was amazing because for everything that was going on, he was doing Saturday Night Live at the same time. Um, but he really did seem like just a guy from Scarborough. Um, he was... Easy to talk to. We would bring guitars to the set and just hang around because there's a lot of hanging around time on sets, and we play music. And interestingly enough, Mike's first agent was Lynn's mom. Wow! And <laughs> connections. Yeah. Wow. And Mike was just uh, extremely generous. We worked again later on uh, the movie uh, Fifty Four about Studio Fifty Four, uh, and he seemed exactly the same. Then, uh, it was it was incredibly p- pleasant. The interesting thing about the Bohemian Rhapsody song and riding around in the car listening to Bohemian Rhapsody that was something I actually did with my older brother
1: oh before my
0: the the movie even happened. Uh, driving around in my beat up uh, Chevy Vega and <laughs> listening to Bohemian Rhapsody and singing along, and then I got the script when uh, I got cast, and it was just like. Have you been reading my mail? It's like they they wrote a scene that I had lived, so yeah. it was that was that was brilliant fun.
1: So, of all the roles you have played, what is your favorite?
0: Um, for me, um, probably the the role that was written for me, the solo play "Baby Red Boots Revenge," um, because it's a rare thing to have someone, and this was this very young, brilliant playwright uh in southern california who uh wrote this play for me and so i was involved in the creation of it and uh being a physical theater performer uh, and the playwright was as well we also both were uh bass guitarists and stand up bass players so we incorporated that into it uh it's a rare gift to be given something that is, you know, written for you. So I would I would say that is probably it, along with the role I played when Lynn and I met, just because it was, it was, because we were playing young people, we were also playing adults in the play as well, but getting to meet the person who is, destined to be your soulmate in a circumstance where you're getting to play with each other on stage every night was kind of one in a million.
1: Wow. That's amazing. How about you, Lynn? Any favorite role?
2: Uh, uh, Yes. I, my very, very favorite role is the nurse in Romeo and Juliet, which I've actually played four times at four different theaters. And I don't think I'm actually done yet. And then the other one is actually playing Mrs. Santa Claus in Santa Baby 1 and Santa Baby 2. I I must admit, when you're playing Mrs. Santa, everyone around you is trying to be so nice because they don't (laughs) want to get on your naughty list. And so I was just, I'm, I was so spoiled while I was making those two movies. It was wonderful. And they keep entertaining me every year because they play them over and over mm-hmm. again every Christmas. And, and May, long after I'm even here, I imagine it w- will continue to play. And it was a delightful experience to be Mrs. Santa. I kind of think that was type
1: so, Lynn, you starred with Peter Ustinov and King Lear at Stratford, then with Dave Thomas, Rick Moranis, in the film Strange Brew, and you were murdered in Black Christmas along with Margot Kidder and others. So how pleased are you with the success you have garnered over the years?
2: Well, I, I am pleased. I've had many um, wonderful and distinctive roles offered and being able to work in both television film radio stage and now directing i'm i mean i've really sort of been able to cover all bases you know but as you know you know this profession is very um (laughs) roller coaster unpredictable Unpredictable. Yes, yes. yes and you know there have been very lean times as well and you know we don't really have a a star system in Canada, as much as I would like to see people really acknowledged. Uh, It was really interesting when you mentioned Kim's convenience, because I'm always so thrilled when I see something that's, you know, literally grown from like a fringe festival show, very homegrown and has had such success. I'm thrilled with that. And I think we should all be recognized, you know, equally. And that the, the people who are actually, um, reporting upon the entertainment world should talk to Canadian actors as much as they like to interview American actors. So here, here. I'm really glad that you're doing this for us today.
1: <laughs> well, my pleasure. It's such an honor to have you on the show. So when you decide to take a role, how do you approach it? Sean?
0: Um, well, it, it varies. Um, I always think that you try to find something something that connects you personally to the character, whether the character is a nice person or a completely evil person, but to try and find those things that you connect to, uh, the character is ambitious. Think about where my own ambitions come from. Uh, if a person is in love, that's pretty easy to think about, you know, what it is to be in love. Um, and then, you know, so much depends on how well something is written, because memorizing lines, um, which, knock on wood, I've never really had a problem with, yeah. but it's so much easier when the material is well written, uh, that it, if it feels like it, it's natural dialogue that would just fall out of your mouth, it, it memorizes easier. And that's sort of where I start with pretty much always
2: Well, that's interesting because I just remembered another favorite role. And that was Callie Cramp on the series Wind at My Back. And that was because she was so mean and vain. And it was absolutely delicious. She hated children. She hated (laughs) the people that were employed with her. Uh, She sort of was nasty to everyone. And it was absolutely a delight to play. Plus, I was like this like femme fatale with gorgeous costumes and makeup the whole time and everybody pampering me. So that was another favorite role. But it's because I actually liked playing the nasty ones it's really easy for me to play nice because people have called me terminally cute anyway and so i like to kind of fight against that and not get cast as the sweetest person
0: in the world but you are terminally cute so that, that happens. thank you so
2: much you're so well, you're-
1: <laughs> <laughs> and how do you approach uh taking on a role lynn
2: um well it's interesting that you mentioned that because i have sort of what I call my bucket list of roles that I want to play and this past fall I finally got to play Amanda Wingfield in uh, The Glass Menagerie and it's a role I've wanted to play for so very long so I think what draws me to a role is when I can really feel that that person somewhere lives inside of me and that was always true with Amanda it's always been true with the nurse in Romeo and Juliet too that I I find the roles that really appeal to me are the ones that I guess they're maternal in a way um Uh, empathetic in a way Uh, you know and and this is sort of contradictory to saying my film career was nasty people well Mrs. Santa's not not nasty Um, that's true Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's, I guess, you know, every role is different, but certainly I, uh, you know, sometimes pursue ones that I really think I have an affinity for, and then I did, I did so much research, because I had almost nine months to prepare for the Glass Menagerie, so I read everything that had ever been written about Tennessee Williams and every play that he'd ever done. I'm a, written. I'm, I'm a big fan of his work as a playwright. I've always wanted to play his roles. And in fact, when I was younger, I got to play Laura in A Glass Menagerie. So sometimes it's lovely to have those kind of circles completed.
1: Mm-hmm. Very nice. Well, joining me via Skype are Sean Sullivan and Lynn Griffin from A Christmas Carol Comedy. You're listening to Beach Corner on BeachBoosterRadio.com.
0: Is your new or existing business looking for recognition in Wasaga Beach? Beach Booster Group is your one-stop shop for all things local, all things promotional. Beach Booster will succeed in creating a complete local promotional package that can include high-profile outdoor, prints, and radio promotion of your business and services. Beach Booster's community events offer additional opportunity for visible participation of your company in the Wasaga Beach area.
1: Welcome back to Beach Corner on com with my guests via Skype, Sean Sullivan and Lynn Griffin. So, Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol with its ghost story resurrecting the ghosts of Christmas' past. Of all the Christmas stories, what makes Charles Dickens' tale unique? Mm,
0: you want me to take that first? Well, you can. I might follow up. Okay. <laughs> well, um,. It's interesting because A Christmas Carol is is a very short story and it reads um, very quickly and there are so many wonderful characters in such a short story. Um, And of course, you know, the fact that I'm playing most of them, uh, I'm aware of the fact that there are an awful lot of characters. But I think it's because A Christmas Carol is about finding your way to being empathetic and loving and giving all the things that Christmas is really about. And in, in this day and age, uh, you know, the world is, is hard. Sometimes people get cynical and there's a little bit of Scrooge in a lot of us that Christmas is about getting connected back to your humanity and your love of, Fellow humans, and I think that makes it a very special story.
1: We're mm-hmm. okay. both That's- feelings.
2: I, I, I agree. I, I, I always, uh, as you had mentioned yourself, Diana, thought of it as more of a cautionary tale and kind of scary as a child um, because there were ghosts and ghosts, are, you know, generally are scary, especially ghosts who are forcing you to look at the way you've lived your life and change and be kind and, and live your life for the better and live your life for your fellow man and be kind. Definitely. The, the the comparisons to what we're living through right now have been wonderful and we've actually been able to incorporate um, some of uh, what's going on south of the border. <laughs> Let me just say that because you know there as Sean said there is definitely a Scrooge in most people and we've certainly seen one portrayed very clearly and wanted to have that represented in the play and because Katie is trying to keep the play very contemporary and very in the moment of what's happening. We've been able to add a few uh, little jibs and jabs here and there. Topical humor. Topical humor, yes. Ripped from the pages of the news. Uh, So that's been really interesting to me to... To see it in a very re- relevant light to the where we're living right now, and, and, and especially the materialism of Christmas. I think it has a lot to do with that, too, that we've all gotten to the point where we're saying, why can't we go back to what the real pure spirit of Christmas is, which is basically being kind and loving to your fellow man and not how many gifts you can afford to get them or how much money you've got or how much power you have.
1: So true. So tell us about the No Porpoise Productions version, mixing shades of Monty Python with shades of past, present, and future for a Christmas Carol comedy, because it's a little bit different.
0: It is.
2: It is. And one of the things that we're so excited about this time, as we tour it around uh, some towns in Ontario, is that we have um, Jesse Buck, who is... Um, a veteran clown from Cirque du Soleil. He toured with Cirque du Soleil for five years. We did a play with him in Ottawa this summer called The Servant of Two Masters. He played Truffle Dino. We just found out that he won the Critics Award in Ottawa for that role, as did the director who directed us. Sean and I were both in the play with our masks on, but we're thrilled to be able to work with someone like that and Both Sean and Jesse have such a background in clown, in physical comedy, in mime, in movement, in dance. They are an absolute thrill to direct. In fact, I just sit back and they're going to both make me look good.
0: No, she works pretty hard. I, I think what separates this Christmas Carol comedy from other productions is that our playwright, Katie Lehman... In researching it, realized that Charles Dickens intended the story to be funny, that there is a real message, and and the message is important, and yes, there are scary elements, but... Productions of the play have tended to focus on the scary parts and how dreary life was in Victorian England for most people. But what Katie has done is while holding on to the heart of the story and the journey that Scrooge goes through is that she has found ways to uh, inject incredibly wry and silly humor into the telling of the story, part of which is the fact that one person, me, plays <laughs> Uh, I was counting it earlier today. I think it's 24 or 25 characters.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Wow. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's all of the ghosts. Um, his sister, his nephew. Um, let's see. Uh, the
2: entire Cratchit family. The
0: entire Cratchit family, including Tiny Tim and Mrs. Cratchit. Uh, various and sundry folks. And... And the act of doing that is, it is sort of like a clown turn, uh, basically by adding a hat, changing a voice, putting on, or putting on a wig, to just, in, in a couple of lines, embody another character, which is sort of inherently silly and theatrical.
2: And sometimes he's even talking to himself. <laughs>
0: Sometimes I have conversations with myself and leave Jesse completely out of the the picture. And also Jesse being the uh, clown supreme and innovative comic mind that he is, that Scrooge, even when he's at his meanest, is an extremely funny character. So I I think this, this definitely points up I think what Charles Dickens intended is that these are characters that you can laugh at, maybe boo at, but sort of like a Christmas pantomime that it is all in fun and at the same time keeping the heart of the message and telling the story that he and that mister Dickens intended.
1: But how are you managing all these characters? My goodness, I that's don't a know. lot. <laughs> He's
2: schizophrenic, and he always has been. And that's a part of why I fell in love with him, I
0: guess. <laughs> it's it's so interesting, but I find that literally my anchors are usually, if there is a different hat, if there is a different wig, um, and then finding the different voices, that I can sort of grab onto the character with these external things, but mentioning Monty Python is a very good example because those five guys played hundreds of roles, and I grew up on that show and and love it still, Um, and the idea of playing women's characters a la Monty Python is like a dream come true because they are, or like kids in the hall, it's like it is so much fun, and uh, yeah, it's it's a dream come true. But yes, it is it is uh, kind of multiple personality disorder on stage.
1: <laughs> on stage, okay. Well, then you started on Canadian television in the early seventies, and then you moved on to acting on stage. How are you enjoying directing this play?
2: Well, I actually enjoy directing very much, although I do find it challenging. Um, it's challenging. Well, and it's you know you have to be very politic and diplomatic when you're giving notes to your own husband or you're, you know, not going to have a happy time at the dinner table that evening once you get home. So you have to be (laughs) be rather (laughs) diplomatic. Um, But it's, I guess, after so many years of being Told what to do by directors. I'm I'm a very sort of hands-off director, especially if I cast the show well. If the show is well cast, you really can just step back and let uh, you know those creative minds just uh, blossom in front of you, which is what this experience has been like. And and it was also very true when I directed Sean in the solo play Baby Red Boots Revenge. I had when I met Sean, I managed to see an archival video of that show that he hadn't done for. A a long time and i said i'm gonna i'm gonna get you up and doing this show again Mm -hmm. and so i submitted him without telling him to the fringe and (laughs) and then we took it everywhere and then we took it to new york and then i we put it away and put it in bed for a while and then i had a dream about him doing it as a middle-aged man and so we revamped the whole show and did it that way so it's lovely to you know be in charge be creatively um Involved in a way that you're not worried about, you know, learning your lines or what your makeup and hair or costume Mm. are going to be like, that I'm just sitting back there very comfortable in a chair and and going
0: drinking your tea and
2: and, and Sean just likes to refer to me as the gag doctor, which means, you know, when I see something that's making me laugh. Then I kind of go, but if we extend it even this much further, maybe it'll be this much funnier. And at the same time, I love being so collaborative in a project that I, you know, a lot of the costumes are mine that I've created and a lot of the props I've collected and created. So it's all that of being able to uh, have a hand in every single pie.
1: So how are rehearsals going?
2: Terrific! We're running the show now. We're running the show. We're sort of ready. Um, we are at the point where we're kind of adding all the production elements that we can right now, still in the rehearsal hall. Mm-hmm. But they're very, very fun, and I, 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 you know, basically say at the end of every night, "Well." You guys are terrific. You make me laugh. And, you know, Katie has been really good, too, because Katie's been by my side as my sidekick the whole time. And Katie has a very, very good, you know, smart mind and a witty mind. And being having the playwright in the room is a real advantage because she can say, oh, you know, that line maybe doesn't quite work.
0: Let's try something else. It's also good because it means if we get an idea about wanting to add a line or change something. We have the playwright there to say yay or nay. And the great thing is is that she pretty much always says yay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well that's
0: good. Because we're we're all thinking in the same way, and uh, the only thing that they do have to do, I mean, Linny's very sweet about just saying, you know, just letting us run. We do have to be put under control sometimes because we will get on to – we'll start improvising new things that kind of get off the track, and so we need a traffic cop this sort of, like, get us back on the street. I think it's a traffic
2: cop, a guidance counselor, a (laughs) a kindergarten teacher, and possibly also the gym teacher. I need to be all those things, with all those hats. Because it is a bit like working with a couple of eight-year-old boys some of the time.
1: (laughs) In a good way. In a good way. How sad. So is this your first time performing in Collingwood? Yes. Ooh, yes. welcome, welcome.
0: Thank you.
2: Bye. Although yeah. yes. we celebrated which anniversary?
0: Well, oh, we uh, there were a many couple
2: anniversaries of them. at the Beald House in Collingwood. We the first time we went up there because our anniversary is on December third. All the Christmas decorations were up at the Beald House, but we were—I pract- think we were the only two guests there.
0: It was brilliant,
2: and so we were like the Lord and Lady of the Manor, and we got spoiled, completely spoiled yeah. by them. And we went back several years in a row just to be spoiled some more. So uh, we love wood. We're happy to, and I always I call know. it Jollywood anyway.
1: We look forward to having you here in Collingwood for sure. So where can we find more information on Christmas Carol Comedy for those interested in wanting to know more?
0: Well, um, you can purchase tickets online at Mm www.ticketscene.ca slash series slash 418. Okay. Or by phone at 705 888 8502, or in person at the Cremor Coffee Studio, 65 Simcoe Street. It's right next to the theater. And uh, for more
2: information, you can go on the No Porpoise website, which mm-hmm. is com. Right. Yes. And um, I don't know. What, <laughs> I, <laughs> what, I there's think all it. information about No Porpoise and our companies too. We also have a company that's called Baby Monster Productions dot okay. ca. So you can find out more about us on that website as well.
1: Excellent. Yep. Well, thank you, Sean and Lynn, for being my guests and wishing you all the best of success with the upcoming theater production, a Christmas Carol comedy. Thank,
0: thank you, you, Diana. So
1: <laughs> Bye. <laughs> You're listening to Beach Corner on BeachBoosterRadio.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this break.
0: Hi, I'm Andrew McNeil, Director of Economic Development and Tourism of Wasaga Beach, and you're listening to Beach Booster Radio.
1: Well, this is a wrap for me. I would like to thank Lynn Griffin and Sean Sullivan and wishing them all the best of success with the upcoming A Christmas Carol Comedy scheduled November the 25th at 7.30 p.m. and November the 26th at 2 and 7.30 p.m. at Simcoe Stage Theatre, located 65 Simcoe Street in Collingwood. A special thanks to Katie Lehman No Purpose Productions and Anka Lex from Simcoe Stage Theatre for making this interview possible. Tickets are available online at nopurposeproductions.com or by calling 705-888-8502 or in person at or Coffee Studio next to the Simcoe Stage Theatre. With Beach Corner on Beach Booster Radio, I'm Dinah Chickie. Beach Corner now available on podcasts with a new weekly show anytime from our new Beach Booster Radio podcast page. Simply click the podcast button from my homepage to enjoy our unique and local programming. Beach Corner is a regular feature in Beach Booster Publication. If you would like to be featured on Beach Corner, please contact Diana at beachbooster.com. I welcome your visit to my Facebook and Twitter pages. Bye-bye, everyone. The preceding program
0: is a production of Beach Booster Radio, written, recorded, and produced in Wasaga Beach, Ontario. We thank you for listening to Beach Booster Radio, Wasaga Beach's only locally owned and operated radio station. We are local. We are Wasaga Beach.